0: there we go okay yeah. hello, hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast episode number 28 with myself and anna today just the two of us hi anna hello how are you in tier three right now same as last week <laughs> <laughs> same as last
1: week just yeah
0: still living the dream
1: no it's yeah all good,
0: all good. yeah yep same i um was listening to someone the other day and it was on the radio i think it was radio one and he said and someone had written in and they said hi it's it's anna here from tier two he was like is this how we have to introduce ourselves now? Yeah. I'm like, hi i'm amelia and i'm from tier two. well i'm gonna be tier four in a few days um yeah i think that's the way forward I'll add one to add that one to uh, my dating profile um, <laughs> um so we obviously recorded a couple of podcasts last week and we lost one thanks to 2020 technology so we thought we would do another pre-christmas one and then we will take a break for next week um because you know boundaries and all that and um, then we'll get started again in the new year so this is the final podcast of 2020 hurrah <laughs> how weird is that <sighs> do you know what it's like it's going. To, it's even though it's about to be another shit show. <laughs> it's good. We're coming out of this year. Yes. Yeah. Although you
1: know, it still feels like it could be March, <laughs> let's be honest. Like... <laughs> I know.
0: Um, yeah. Let's get on with the questions because let's be honest, <laughs> none of us have got anything ex- exciting. Imagine next year when we're like, oh, what have you been doing this week? Well, I have something to say. I don't remember what
1: it's like. <laughs>
0: I know. I feel like I'm going to be very overwhelmed when people start trying to make plans with me again. Like, oh. I don't know what that is. <sighs> we should enjoy this downtime. Right. So I have a couple of questions that we that got deleted from last week. I actually have quite a lot of questions today, which is great. And I also have Louie's questions. So if you asked Louie a question, he did send me them over. So I ha- also have those ones. So... This question um we, we like this is one of the questions that got lost, so how do you know if you have how do you know that you have enough protein if you aren 't tracking and know how much is each portion, for example main meals, but what about the small amounts in other f- foods how do you know that combined with the meal protein portions adds up to your target okay so yeah, basically, how do you know that you 're getting enough protein if you aren 't physically tracking it
1: if you know what a serving looks like like a main protein serving be that meat or plant-based or fish then obviously you're aiming for that serving ideally three to four times a day and then just don't stress about the other stuff really because it's minimal it's not gonna boost it that much um to increase the serving size a little extra great but if you're not tracking does it really matter if you're bang on macros 100% well it doesn't really matter if you are when you are tracking anyway so yeah just don't yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely that if you're having four meals a day which the, this person will be doing if you're having four meals a day of a serving of protein you are more than sufficient the the protein that is in other foods it it makes no difference like I think what we covered last week on the podcast that got deleted was old school ways of tracking well it wasn't even tracking it was like meal plans people used to only count what was called they called impact macros so it would be like um potatoes would only you would only count the carbs from potatoes and you would only count the protein from chicken and you wouldn't count any of like the negligible amounts of anything else whereas that's just not how nutrition works like food no food is one specific thing but it doesn't make a difference like if you had four servings of chicken say which you wouldn't want to do in a day but whatever say and it was like 110 grams of protein what difference does it make if you get another 30 grams of protein from nuts and whatever else that you happen to eat in a day like it makes zero difference at all so like you said three or four servings of protein and then you know you're having enough yeah yeah um okay do you want to go for a question
1: yes um I think this is one that a lot of people will struggle with to some degree, a lot of the types of clients that we work with, and that is imposter syndrome and ways of overcoming it.
0: Ooh, good question. We speak about this on EIQ a lot because all of us get imposter syndrome. Is this the client, somebody who is in like, in the fitness industry? Like, yeah. For yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, we can both, I'm sure, both safely say that we both experience it and have experienced it. And I'll let you obviously talk about your experiences a little bit, genuinely. And I actually did a a podcast for Suk, an online fitness business, and he posted a video of it on his Instagram page. So I'd recommend that you look at that because it was like a 10-minute video of me talking about imposter syndrome and how I kind of got over it. Um, But realistically... Imposter syndrome is basically when you feel that you've got into the position that you're in because of luck. And it's, it's men and women experience it, bit it's more prevalent, I think, in women. Um, and I don't know if that's because we're conditioned to kind of celebrate our wins less. We're more conditioned to feel a little bit more insecure. We're more naturally feeling secure. I don't know what the reason is. But um, genuinely, the way that I find that I overcome it is like we always say calling out those thoughts and asking if they're fact or feeling like so in the sense of when I when I speak at when I'm speaking at women's health and I would feel like that feel a bit of like an imposter syndrome it's like well why why do I think that I don't deserve here deserve this and what my friends would say well you've got you've got a PhD you've worked in this industry for ages you know this person like why wouldn't you do it and what a friend would say to you is something that you need to learn how to say to yourself because it's like well why would why shouldn't it be you why wouldn't it be you the facts speak for themselves and you've done this or you great your, your clients have told you that you're really good at x y and z so why why would they like lie and actually take the physical evidence that you've got and that might be through from your clients or it might be from your mom it, it could be from um qualifications anything like that and also like i found saying yes to things really helpful like 2019 i just said yes to everything i made it a new year's resolution i was like i'm going to get over my imposter syndrome this year and I really was like, I'm going to. And that was the year that I went on first dates the hotel. I went, and did Women's Health Live. I did spoke at Body Power. And everyone that asked me to do something, I said yes. And I put myself forward for stuff, and stuff that was terrifying. But actually, by the end of the year, like I genuinely don't feel that much imposter syndrome anymore because I kind of think, no, I like, I don't know, how I deserve to to be where I'm at. But I do still get it sometimes. I think everyone does, and it's a sign that you actually really care. And it's not a bad thing. What do you, What do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I think last year I obviously struggled with it massively. <laughs> <laughs> Did notice Anna at all working with you? <laughs> 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 but no, I I mean I have been, and this isn't just imposter syndrome. This is I have been incredibly lucky to to do what I I do, which obviously is working with you, um and when i became a pilates instructor that was because um the lady that i was going to classes with was looking at um becoming like a she wanted to be able to teach people to become instructors but she needed a guinea pig group so she could get certi- certified to do it and i was like well yeah i'll give it a go <laughs> what's the worst that could happen but like you said when when you do get those and it was massively last year I struggled with it when you do get those thoughts it was kind of well no I've done all the work to get me here um and when you get the feedback from clients and sometimes you're like "Mm, really but the more you get them you're like yeah okay maybe they do know what they're talking about maybe I am okay (laughs) with what I do um and yeah I think Similar to you with saying yes, although he reminded me of that film, Yes Man. Have you seen it with Jim Carrey? It, but
0: i dread to think. <laughs>
1: um, but again, it's just like pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. And I took on more classes um, because I still have a massive fear of talking in front of people and talking on camera and I think it was earlier this year I did a talk we had like a wellness day with the Pilates people and I did a talk on nutrition and yeah stepping outside and pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone is massively helpful as well just to prove to yourself that you can do it
0: yeah exactly and I think like it doesn't just go away you have to work at it And I think that's the thing like work like exactly what you said doing things calling yourself out um, looking at the actual facts getting evidence from your clients that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. I agree and that was a nice question okay next question how do you remove guilt around certain foods although I've had a positive week genuinely Friday night as a family we have takeaway I ate mindfully but felt guilty simply because it was Indian street food I have a weird hang-up about Chinese and Indian that I can't go near it how do you challenge these thoughts um that
1: would suggest that you're still associating negative thoughts feelings towards that food um and if you enjoy it then eat it and uh, well you you said you ate mindfully anyway so you should have uh, well you shouldn't have any reason whether it was mindful or not you shouldn't have any reason to feel guilty for it
0: Mm -hmm. I think and yeah I agree and I think she's kind of hit the nail on the head she knows what she's doing she's trying to challenge her thoughts she like she was mindful so she's doing all the right things I think usually with these types of things sometimes I'll say to people start having it on other days of the week because there's still obviously like a good food bad food mentality there and the fact that you only, only have it on a Friday and I understand it's family takeaway and I wouldn't suggest changing that day and it's nice socializing etc but maybe try doing something like do you know what if you really fancy an Indian or a Chinese on a Monday night have it just see what it feels like because it almost rem- it almost removes the conditioning of only having it on certain days and therefore the kind of negative feelings around it. I think t- removing moral value from food takes time. And like we all have those certain foods that took us the longest time to kind of move past and, and remove that kind of good food, bad food mentality around it. But it will be coming in the fact that she's challenging it already. is a really good thing. Um and when the food th- thoughts pop up at the time, do things like, okay, I noticed that I feel negative for eating this, but it's much more enjoyable to notice what this food tastes, smells, touches, you know, all the five senses, what it like have a mindful moment of that actual <laughs> meal. And then afterwards, maybe like if you feel the guilt the next day, for example, ask yourself when it comes up, say like, well, did I enjoy it? Yes, that's great. Like the, the best thing in life is to be able to enjoy your food, Whilst working towards your goals, which she absolutely is, like the last six months has been ridiculous. So it doesn't mean that you're going to be consistently, say, in a in a diet forever or moving towards your goals with every action that you take. But if you are eighty, what we are looking for usually is like eighty percent consistency, right? I never expect perfection from a client because it doesn't exist. So that, to, like, to me, a client who eats a takeaway mindfully, that's perfection to me more perfection to me actually than someone who doesn't eat any takeaways at all and mm. um, so trying to reframe it in that way and say your goal is to diet with a healthy relationship with food if you're eating mindfully a takeaway within your diet still dieting still losing fat on the whole like you're nailing it that's your goal that, that's your goal it's ultimate. not <laughs> exactly that right exactly that. So i think keeping the bigger picture in mind is also really helpful absolutely next question
1: Um, complete change of pace (laughs) as usual my entire life I've always considered myself to be lower body dominant and when I first started lifting years ago I was naturally able to squat deadlift pretty high weights and able to progress quickly however I
0: now feel I have swapped is that possible that's an interesting question I'm quite jealous of the lower body strength Natural strength, oh, really? to be honest. I'm like, oh, my squat has always been crap. Yeah. Um, that's why I don't do it. Um, it's unlikely. I think it's unlikely that it's going to change in the sense of your your anatomy and your genetic makeup has not really changed. So it may be that you're stronger in your lower half and dominant in terms of strength in your lower half because of the your physique like your build and your anatomy and your joints etc that's not going to change as you get older yes your body shape might have changed from training so you know it might have slightly changed but I wouldn't expect it. it could be it could just be that you've kind of reached a volume with your lower body training actually where you don't maybe push the volume as much as you could anymore and so you maybe you've plateaued and act, or it could be actually that you've managed to optimize your, your training volume on your top half. And actually, so you're progressing really well on your top half because you've, you've finally got that balance right of optimizing your upper body strength training. So it's, uh, uh, yeah, I think physiologically, no, but there are potential reasons why that might have happened. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely agree. Nothing to add.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Okay, change your pace again. How much does, okay, sorry. How much impact does fasted training have on regaining your period? Um, it's, let me just, sorry, it's quite a long question. I've always trained fasted because I feel better with nothing in my stomach when I train and I train in the early hours, 3.30 a.m. is the norm for me. I have a coffee and maybe pre-workout. Um, and when training, I have a regular juice. She When she used to run, she used to do it fasted. Um, and when she actually did eat with running, she used to get a stitch. And she says she feels uncomfortable when she's training, even having a piece of fruit. But I do eat my breakfast immediately after. Do you want to start on that or do you want me to do? Uh, I'll let you because I'm, yeah. yeah. Um, In terms of how much impact does fasted training have on regaining your period, I can't quantify it but it does have an impact because faster training puts stress on your body. Um, It adds to the cortisol response you get from training Training as a standalone is stress. And that's why for some practitioners, they say you shouldn't be training at all. Um, But often I think that, that overall health benefits suggest that we should still be training a bit. And also the psychological stress that it can cause is also really detrimental. So that's why I still encourage or allow rather than encourage some sort of training um but when you do it fasted yes it adds additional stress and it's something that I advise against I would strongly advise against unless exceptional circumstances Three thirty in the morning is potentially an exceptional circumstance um whereby I would say if, if genuinely if it's genuinely physically impossible genuinely then obviously you you can't do it at three thirty in the morning. I've never trained at three thirty in the morning, so I don't know. But if you that is you, then ensuring that you eat sufficient the night before, sufficiently the night before, including protein and a lot of carbohydrates, then your glycogen stores will still be there, and so that will be better than nothing. But that means having like a meal before bed. I don't just mean dinner at seven pm. I mean supper at ten thirty before you go to sleep. Um, in terms of running fasted. And having good times when you run fasted that's probably just because you're used to training fasted actually from the we've got thousands and thousands of pieces of evidence in terms of training and running and um like cardio type work and we know that training after carbohydrates leads to greater performance, but it has to be trialed in like training so a lot of runners will do things like um, fasted training in the morning, but then they'll also do kind of more intense work later in the night where they're really well fed because you get a lot more adaptations. You get different types of adaptations from training fasted versus training fed. And a lot of performance athletes will do both for various reasons. Um, so we the the fact that you don't train as well when you're fed is probably a bit psychological and potentially because you're not used to it. But it, it's definitely not better for performance on the whole. Um, so again, I would, I would usually always advise against it. Um, even doing something like, like I know that you say a banana doesn't make you feel good. I would question that a little bit if it's psychological, because a a banana should be fine, or a piece of fruit should be digestible in the morning. It's not many calories, and it's it's quick, like quick releasing carbohydrates, so it shouldn't be causing any issues so I think that might be psychological it might be tiredness at 3 30 in the morning which I absolutely don't blame you for yeah. <laughs> I cannot imagine exactly exactly that um yeah do-
1: I this morning and I couldn't cope I was like
0: <laughs> ready to throw a hissy bit <laughs> it's horrendous like do you know what it's not horrendous right it works for some people but I am um, I used to do when I used to prep when I was doing two full-time jobs I would get up at 4:30, and I would do that, and I would do my cardio and my training fasted. And I would just get home and be like, Oh my god, I'm gonna die! I just, no, not fun. I kind of on that, I'm actually going to add one of Louis's questions. Oh, that's actually perfect. I hadn't read it, but I knew it was about <laughs> endurance training. When fueling for endurance training, is it okay to train fasted sometimes? And if so, what benefits will I get from this? So that's handy. <laughs> um, Yes, it is okay to train fasted. So when I was talking about the difference between fasted and fed training, why performance athletes do sometimes do both. Often they'll do low intensity, steady state stuff training in the morning because what you get from fasted training is what we call um, like some sort of metabolic adaptation and you become more metabolically flexible. So actually, without going into too much of the science of it, we get an adaptation of these enzymes in our cells that are responsible for the metabolism of fat. So, we upregulate, so we increase the number of these enzymes and these kind of fat burning enzymes. So, that then when we go off and do, if you've got an endurance trained runner who trains fasted a lot, and then you've got a rec- recreational runner and they both do a fasted run, the endurance trained runner is going to burn more fat, technically. Um, they won't burn more body fat, they're not going to, it doesn't impact your body composition at all. so don't get listen to this and think, oh, I'll lose my body fat I do fast training. That is not what it does. What it does is if you've got somebody doing like a four hour long event, the intensity that they run at, they preferentially will use fat. So what we want to do is adapt their fat enzymes so that they can get they can more preferentially use fat. And therefore, what happens is that they spare their muscle carbohydrate stores and liver carbohydrate stores so at the end of their long run, they can sprint finish and they can use their carbohydrate stores that they've saved at the end. That is basically what it is in terms of like a, like a simplified version. So faster training, if you if you do have your period and you've got a regular cycle, et cetera, um, can be helpful. However, it does cause stress on the body. It shouldn't be the sole thing that you do because it reduces the intensity of training. So you don't get the adaptations that you get from like hip training or running a, like at race pace, et cetera you can't do that if you're fasted as well so you want to have a mix of both Mm, we um
1: there was one client i had we had a play about with uh train low recover low sleep low one more isn't there?
0: yeah train low recover low sleep low
1: oh god (laughs) mine's got completely blank but yeah we basically is having a play about with when you time your carbohydrates as to to help with that adaptation and as well, I suppose you see at which you perform your best at. Yeah. Um, and it's completely individual. And that can also be quite helpful if if you are an endurance athlete and looking at improving.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like that's the thing you have to play around with that. And everyone, some people will respond better to like more carbs. Like I remember trying to say to my sister once, because she's an endurance athlete and I said to her like buy the textbook textbook you should be in like seven hundred grams of carbohydrate today and she was like and I didn't tell her to do that but I was like textbook that's what it says and she was like if I had seven grams of grams of carbohydrate I'd be like trapping myself the whole way around and I would feel really heavy and I would feel crap and I was like you're to- like so it is it's so individual mm-hmm. um but nice questions. Okay you're doing you have you got a question? Yes um I'm sure you've covered this loads
1: but what are the main things to follow when when going from structured to unstructured nutrition so I don't know I'm not sure tracking to not tracking
0: I'm assuming yeah I think I think the key is making the switch between and the difficulty is I think is making the switch between. Following any sort of external cues and following internal cues in the sense of your nutrition is structured, can be structured according to what you, your body wants and needs, right? On what you want and need. It doesn't have to be structured by MyFitnessPal and it doesn't have to be structured by food guidelines, etc. That being said, like we will, like even with clients who don't track, right, we will have like what we call modified intuitive eating. So things like making sure you eat three or four protein servings a day, making sure you're having X number of servings of vegetables and fruit each day, that's still a structure. And I think that people often think that becoming more intuitive with your eating, and I'm not talking about the specific intuitive eating principles here, but people often think that when you become more intuitive, it's like you just are doing like a free for all. And actually this is kind of pissing me off at the moment in terms of not what the client is saying, but like in terms of, um, the industry are so determined to hate on intuitive eating because it doesn't it's because it because they say well if you just eat intuitively then you just eat whatever you want and you gain fat and it's like because they cannot make intuitive eating fit their fat loss narrative they're like intuitive eating is just not having any guidance whatsoever and it's just eating what you want and it's eating all that's not what it is like unstructured nutrition i don't think any of us have unstructured nutrition like we still have guidelines in place and we still know what protein is and all of these things so I think almost trying to reframe it is really important saying you're it's still quite structured and it can be loosely structured but you still have some structure that's supporting your health and your if it's fat loss fat loss whatever it is um but just because you're not being meticulous with it it doesn't mean that it's unstructured and really focusing on you listening to your intern like you don't need to have an external guide we're so convinced that we need some sort of like rule to follow in order to do something right and it's like we we don't actually we're pretty good at figuring it out for ourselves
1: yeah yeah we just don't have a camp to sit in do we <laughs> like yes you can have some guidelines but we're not fully structured and we're not like anti-diet and yeah <laughs> yeah and
0: people don't like it at all
1: yeah but like you said i think a lot of people just completely misunderstand it entirely and yeah. don't even want to give it a shot so yep,
0: yeah, because it threatens their narrative mm-hmm. or it or it's triggered them because it, and they're projecting the fact that they couldn't do it they feel that they couldn't do it so they project something <laughs> um i hope that answers the question do you have anything to add on it
1: um no i think from kind of like you said from an structured unstructured point of view that's answered it yeah
0: yeah I, hope, I hope so. Okay, um, I'm going to change topics. I have a Louis question. Oh, actually, no, do you know what? Same topic, and it's an excellent question. A certain fit pro <laughs> has, recent, has recently criticised intuitive eating, and I'm confused to why they don't think the movement is a good thing. Is intuitive eating something we should all be aiming for? And if not, what are the drawbacks of the IE movement? What a great question, and oh. obviously does fit in very well to what yes. we were just saying. And I think we okay. both know who that might be. <laughs> yes, we both did see this flip like, through criticising True tweeting. Okay, so Anna and I have actually had this discussion. Do you want to start on this?
1: From from watching it myself, all it comes across as is lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that is it. it I, yeah, lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. And I think just... Not showing any willingness to try and understand it as well, um, because I mean we've said we've said this a million times we are not true intuitive eaters, and we don't say that we are we don't try and preach it to clients, but we do eat intuitively
0: mm.
1: and yes, I think everybody should should I think whether you're working on fat loss or not breaking away from rules and restrictions around food eating more freely eating for you is something that everybody should aim for and there is absolutely nothing wrong with it
0: Mm. yeah and I think so let's think about it as a whole rather than one specific person has a low voice firstly that that one specific situation what we have to be really mindful of is that our type of client people who are on our team are not necessarily the type of person that that type of content is aimed at right this is fitness um instagram is is niche right and it's it doesn't make space for nuance and this you know some people have loud voices and it's not it's not necessarily aimed at everyone so that's the first thing i would like to say the second thing is in general, there's a huge misunderstanding of maturity being in the fitness industry. And obviously most of our clients at some point will have seen the fitness industry or are in the fitness industry. And I think there's a huge misunderstanding. And I had this actually had this debate with Emma, and we're going to talk about it at some point because she's she doesn't, she's got a bit of a bugbear about it in the sense of she was like, you know, how do you I can't remember what her argument was, but her argument to the drawback was something like, well. If yeah so she was saying well you know we're in an obesogenic environment so if we say to everyone just eat intuitively and listen to your hunger skills people will automatically overeat because the evidence is there that if you if you give people processed versus unprocessed foods people are more likely to overeat by 500 calories a day if they have processed foods that was a study that came out last year so she was like well so if we're saying intuitively eat then people are just going to eat all this food and i was like well, no, because what people are misunderstanding from the, intru- the actual intuitive eating movement, the specific one is that they, talk- they do food education. They talk about food education and they talk about honoring your health. So if you are truly following, you know, you, lo- you learn about macros or you at least learn what protein, carbohydrate and fat is, Right, you learn about nutrients and sorry, can you hear? My family are in the background. Well, <laughs> Hope for Christmas life. Um, but they also, you also learn to honour your health. So if you are truly doing it properly, you're not going to consistently only eat processed foods because you're going to say, is this in line with me making health healthy choices? Maybe it is sometimes if it's a mince pack Christmas, but maybe it's not if you're consistently eating processed foods. So, so... It's not a food rule. it's about educating and empowering people to say, "This food is in line with my honoring my health principle of intuitive eating, therefore I'm not going to just eat processed foods." The problem is in the fitness industry is that people, people don't like it just doesn't fit their narrative of a fat loss, people need to track or like, people need to track in order for fat to get fat loss, and people everyone wants fat loss. Because what it always comes down to in the fitness industry is fat loss. Regardless of what we're talking about, that's what it comes down to. And I think that's where people just get really confused. Um, I understand also the points that are sometimes made about, well, um, you're not a true intuitive eater because you've tracked for years, you've dieted, so you know what, what calories are in foods. That is true, that's true for you, that's true for me. But I can hand on heart say genuinely that I can go out for a meal and have some some sort of odd food and not consider the calories that are in it. But because of this flexible dietary restraint, I can say, I know that I went out for dinner, and it was pr- but I will still be mindful in fact I went out for dinner, it was covered in oil, et cetera, et cetera, which is fine. So I'll probably have a lighter next meal, for example. So, in that sense, yes, there is still some idea of calories in my head, but that's not true. In, you know, that's not technically true and true to, to have eaten. And I never claim that to be. So, I actually do understand the point of them saying, but you're still counting calories to some degree. I do kind of get that, but at the same time, the you know the evidence is there for people that haven't done that before, that have high intuitive eating scores, lower BMIs, improved wellness, improved relationship with food, reduced disorder eating. The evidence is still there for those people too. So who do talk about true intuitive eating? So I think <coughs> I think it is just a mass, a bit of a misunderstanding. And I'm thinking of i like I said I've been speaking to you about it, been speaking to him about it. Like I'm gonna try and make people understand in some way and I'm just not <laughs> how I'm gonna do it yet. Um I think in terms of the question, is it something we should all be aiming for? I think eating intuitively being able to eat intuitively at times in your life is something that you should be aiming for. Because if you have families you go out for social occasions and you can't track it and it's causing you stress, then that's a that's a situation. However, I do know people that are genuinely really happy with tracking all the time, but they also know how to stop tracking if they want. Yeah. Yeah um good question okay do you have a question uh yes uh this one
1: is based on a story by jake um at break binge eating and it was one of the true or false ones uh that was genes may be more important than environment in eating disorder onset i couldn't find any more information on this what does this mean
0: Good question. Um, okay, so I don't know the actual statistics, so I'm not going to pretend to go into them. Uh, was did he give the answer as true? I assume, or
1: uh, I'm assuming yes. Yeah, I didn't see yeah. it. So.
0: Um, yeah. So I think all I can really add to that is that there is a strong genetic component to the development of eating disorders. So is the old nature versus nurture question. I don't know. I don't know the, the statistics in terms of X percent of people are, mm. have parents who have got eating disorders or disordered eating habits. I also think it's difficult with the kind of generations by generations because I know that older generations are less likely to have been diagnosed with eating disorders and it's more of a retrospective thing. Um, but yeah, all I can really add to that is there's a huge contribution. I don't, I don't know. Yes, you can still develop disordered eating without the genetic component, um and I also think you can have the genetic component, but but being a family that fosters a good food relationship relationship with food so that you don't develop disorder eating you, you know what it's not one has to lead to the other. But yeah, there's a genetic component. But that's unfortunately all I can really without I mean I could look at the research and maybe I'll do that moving forwards, but without looking, delving into it, I don't know the actual numbers. No. No <laughs> 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 yeah. nice question cool. though. um okay we've answered something similar to this before but we always come up with different answers to the same questions which is quite nice um okay how to have a lazy day in front of the telly with no snacks involved is it realistic to think that i could eliminate movie nibbles the movie equals nibbles mentality at all do you have any practical advice so
1: can it can it be done and how to overcome it
0: yes and she's she also has a family just um, like that she watches movies with just to add that in oh, okay um,
1: i suppose similar to the the question about takeaway in that in the past you've associated it with guilt and you're associating movies with snacking um, and snacking when eating film perfectly okay But again, it's kind of asking yourself, well, everything you would when you go to snack. Otherwise, are you even hungry? What is your intent? Is it boredom? Um, How are you feeling in general? If it is just because it's there. Then and, and you're just eating it mindlessly. While watching the film, then do you really need to be doing it or can you separate yourself if you're watching a film with your family? Can you separate yourself and rather than having bag or box of chocolates out in front of you, just portion it out and give them to children and you have a drink or something else?
0: yeah that's funny because that's that's what I said to her in her update actually when I I said you know why don't you replace it with like a new thing so maybe you maybe swap chocolate for popcorn for now and then maybe you swap that popcorn for hot chocolate um or frozen blueberries or something like that um and make a swap away from the snacks again like you said there's absolutely nothing wrong with it but so she is she's got a great relationship with food now but we're kind of still looking at maybe dropping a little bit more fat potentially but she doesn't track um and so this would be a kind of goal oriented action and I think swapping it because I think stuff like it's like we also talk about like the light hot chocolates like galaxy hot, light hot chocolate is phenomenal and it's I, like make that habit. A game changer. <laughs> so so such a game changer I've just run out actually at home um but yeah like making that swap can be really helpful and and it doesn't mean that your kids can't have it like you said just just portion it out um and you'll find over time like although you might find that if your kids have got it you'll nibble at it that will dissipate if you've got something else to occupy yourself like a drink or something maybe frozen food or something like that
1: oh frozen grapes
0: excellent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they kind of part my teeth though <laughs> but i don't know if that's me showing my age like old teeth <laughs> anyway moving on um do you have a question um i what well,
1: I, I do and i think um I suppose we could answer it and maybe ask louis next time. Um, uh, but it was New Year's goals and resolutions.
0: Well, some one of Louis' clients asked for what your goals are for 2021 oh, also. Yes. <laughs> you can go first on this one.
1: Oh um <laughs> I don't know if it's I'm scared to <laughs> or just <laughs> um but no I think uh like I said last week um well we had a question about it last week in the new year new you and I don't plan on making any changes other than just to continue doing what I'm doing because I'm quite happy with that (laughs) Um, I I think the only thing I have to be a bit firmer with is my muscle mentors I need to keep on top of those lectures.
0: <laughs> uh, I'll start setting you targets. Like, oh, you the
1: <laughs> oh, I love it though. It's been that long since I've done like learning. I'm like, boom, I must have a new notebook and highlighters. <laughs> Did one and a half lectures and not today since
0: <laughs> <laughs> classic. Got all the gear, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, one and a half lectures is still something. Mine's quite similar, you know. Like I'm gonna I'm going to hopefully if they've got space, start a counseling course this year. And then I start a uni course in September, hopefully, which is like psychotherapy, which I'm very excited for. So that will be my goal. But I know I I'm in mean, cliche post 2020, but I just want to travel. There's places I really want to travel and just I said that last year, and then obviously 2020.
1: <laughs> so it really <laughs> makes you realise that like, I've never really been one for I like a holiday, but I'm not living for the travel. Yeah. yeah. But there were so many places, even just like I mean, Cali didn't happen this year, but even just like Europe was so like, I really just want to go somewhere, anywhere. Yeah,
0: take me. <laughs> absolutely that. So I think that's the, that's the same as me. I'm also like, I've also come out of like this horrible situation this year and I'm in a really good place. You know when they say like to be in a relationship, you have to be in a good relationship with yourself, X, Y and Z. And it's like, I've kind of been in a good relationship with myself for like the last three or four years, maybe a good one. But I still, I know we talk about this a lot and laugh about it a lot, but like for a long time, I've still been like, oh, red flag, oh, oh, you're pretty. And I'm, <laughs> I finally, thanks to the shit show of 2020, I'm like really anti that now. So I'm really like, I d- it's not a goal or a resolution, but it's kind of like I feel very at peace with like, I'm excited because I'm, that's not going to be who, that's not going to be me anymore. I'm, <laughs> this is me saying it here, so I'm accountable, <laughs> remember I sent you,
1: like, I think it might have been back in March, April time, I sent you a meme and it was like, um, obviously going through the breakup at the beginning of the year, and then I was like, finally, ready to date, and then universe sends a plague, pandemic. I'm like,
0: okay, fair play.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but know, it has given absolutely. me time to work on myself, so.
0: <laughs> yeah. you, yeah. The world is good. Um, it also did me, I'm sure. I'm sure it did. <laughs> So yeah, 2021 would be a year of not that. I'm sure of that. And they're good goals. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> nothing tangible. <laughs> 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 Always a great plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing smart, measurable, achievable. Oh, no. <laughs> it is achievable. Um, okay, any advice for planning how to eat untracked without overthinking the macros of things? So this is specifically over Christmas, but um, Obviously, this covers more in general too. Um, should I think of dividing my plate into fractions, etc.? I'm getting a bit, I'm getting into a bit of mental of mental funk that I need to exercise to allow myself to eat. Any advice on how to get out of this trap? So I suppose that's two questions. The first is, yeah, advice on planning how to eat on track without overthinking the macros.
1: I would say aim for a serving of protein aim for carbs and or fats it's christmas so why not have both and some veg some fruit job
0: done don't overthink it um yeah that'd be it really (laughs) and i know do you know do you know what like we are we're we talk about this obviously quite a lot and we go into the details of it obviously one to one with clients right but it does come down to that sometimes and it sounds like we're oversimplifying it by saying just don't overthink it but genuinely for two weeks if we're talking about christmas for two weeks it's like and that's going to make zero difference like it's zero difference you know for as, as an example like me and you say one day one of us might eat a thousand calories more and then the next day we might eat a thousand calories less. i have no idea what my carbohydrate intake is and i have no idea what my fat intake is genuinely day-to-day at all but you would never be able to look at me and be like she's had more carbohydrates today she <laughs> had 1, calories more yesterday you would never yeah. i can't even look at my body in the mirror and say god you can tell i had a thousand calories yesterday Maybe when I was a bit leaner, maybe you could tell. And I, I don't think so, though. So it's like really trying to rationalise that. And I know that we are oversimplifying simplifying it. But actually, that's probably what you need to do right now. And just like Hannah said, you've got those kind of rough guidelines of vegetables and protein. And then just listen to your hunger and society. Like, this client is fantastic. And she's been working with me for a long enough time to know what protein is, etc. Um, so she's going to be absolutely capable of doing it. It's just we get into our own kind of like she said like a bit of a, a funk about it but it is sometimes just that simple and like I said like we do it all the time you never know
1: yeah it is it is hard to switch off that, from that thinking um but I think now this time of year yes it's going to be different but it's probably the best time to do it in that you can focus on being with the people that you're with the different tastes and textures that you probably don't have any other time of year and making some memories with them and hopefully next year we can just look back on 2020 christmas and laugh but
0: (laughs) (laughs) we will we will it's funny actually because i got a message from someone today on instagram because i was having cake for breakfast and she was like do you eat that for breakfast and i was like oh yeah i just had a protein shake and that's my breakfast she's like that's such a good idea and i was like because realistically my food guidelines are protein and then something else that that fills me up. And yes, I wouldn't eat cake for breakfast every single day because health wise, it's not ideal. But it doesn't make a difference. And like you say, you you talk about this quite a lot, like oats or mince pie. There's no difference in calories. Um, and if it's my mum's Christmas cake, it's definitely fill in. Like it, like that's like my food. My head goes to, and what a good way to do it is your head goes to protein and goes to like taste, rather than going to calories and carbs and fat just think about those things for for the time being in terms of the second part of that question I'm getting into a bit of a mental funk that I need to exercise to allow myself to eat any advice on how to get out of this trap
1: Um, that kind of thinking just takes the enjoyment away from exercise Mm. um and you don't need to do anything to earn or burn any food um I suppose you kind of, you need to think about what it is your exercise gives to you. Um, And I know what we spoke about um, in lockdown and for a lot of people, the gym gives them like mental headspace. Um, And looking at alternative activities that could give you that, um, give you some some time, some space, I mean, if, if you are able to be with families right now and you do need to take some time to yourself, then go and meditate or journal or go out for a walk, but it doesn't need to be heavy sessions. It doesn't need to be hip sessions in your bedroom, anything like that. Something that's going to give you that same feeling.
0: Yeah. And this client, bless her, she's in a different country and has had really struggled with access to the gym at all, really. And she's done so well at persevering with home workouts. It's like it inspires me to be totally frank. Um and it's so it's understandable. She's back home with a gym now for a couple of weeks, which is amazing. And I think framing it like you've got access to a gym, like that's amazing. Like you what you don't want to do is waste this time by over training, over walking and actually taking away the energy that you have and the potential that you have to really build some strength back up. Even if it's a couple of weeks a couple of weeks, right? You can get you can get the feeling of weight behind you again, that feeling of being strong again. Use it to your advantage and if you're if you're not feeling yourself properly and you're overtraining, you're not going to, to do that and you're going to end up just actually feeling more frustrated rather than feel t- strong and recovered which is what we want to feel you're going to feel exhausted and you're not going to make the most out of those training sessions and I think that can be true for anybody right now like we're all and we were talking about this before the podcast right we now have to just expect that the gyms are going to open and close open and close unfortunately that's the state of it right now and you know for all the fighting that's going on and whatever all we can do right now is expect it and I think rather than freaking out every time they close it's like like right, what is what is this type of period of time allowing me to be able to do this period of time is allowing me to recover do some yoga do my handstands give my body a bit of a break nourish my body do something different and then when the gym's open it's like right what is this period of time allowing me to do, right? it's allowing me to feel like I've got some weight behind my body I can really push my strength I can really feel powerful And switching between these phases and accepting each phase for what it is, is is really, is going to really help people's mindsets, I think, in in this, rather than resenting the situation, which I think, uh, by the end of 2020, is a completely understandable place to be. But it's a good way to kind of just now just go, right, none of this is permanent. This is just going to keep changing. What can I focus on right now? And how can I make the most of the situation right now that I have?
1: Yeah. Do you know I was in the gym today and I actively chose to do a Bulgarian split squat? Oh my god, what? And the first, the first rep, I was like, "What am I
0: doing?
1: (laughs) Yeah, give it a week. That's all you're going to do. I know, I know. Oh, I've really messed up this
0: one. (laughs) Yeah, I was writing a home training program today, actually, for someone, and then I was like. I really don't want to put this ball game split squat in again but I really just I just don't have a choice someone one of a co- an online coach that I know online on Instagram messaged me and he was like have you tried this ball game split squat yet and this one I was like yes yes they're all pretty much exactly the same thanks <laughs> And he was like I know they are so <laughs> so I, I mean I'm judging you a little bit now I'm not gonna lie I know I know but I,
1: I, I need to sort out some imbalances and I was like oh god okay. I know
0: and they're awesome like they're such a good exercise. Just like. um, Right do you have any more questions? I, I have one more
1: questions.
0: Okay I have one more so great. Okay how to manage meals okay similar actually to some of the stuff we've spoken about so we'll just recap and then maybe add a little bit more in but how to manage meals and listen to your hunger over the holidays um especially when you aren't weight training
1: hmm. I think now, now is an excellent time to really hone in on hunger and fullness right. yeah yeah perfect time to practice it
0: yeah i think Yeah, you don't have to do anything differently in terms of managing your meals and listening to your hunger and fullness. And I think one thing that I've said to to quite a lot of my clients again is if you're someone who feels the need to restrict or maybe overeat, then actually doing things like making sure that you're not fasting, making sure that you, you manage your hunger by being regular with your meals, I think is really important because I think that often at this time people will do the opposite and they'll say I'm going to manage my hunger by restricting because I ate more with my family last night than I'd planned or ate more on Christmas day than I'd planned and actually that's not helping you manage your hunger if you're someone who fluctuates quite a lot with eating patterns and your mindfulness around eating. um a good way to manage your hunger is to to try and maintain your regular meal times that you'd normally have and it's a bit difficult when you're you know eating with family and stuff and like my family we like my sister's one me last night because I made dinner at seven I'm like I know we eat dinner at five and she's like I know (laughs) nine and I'm like yeah so it's difficult right and you have to compromise with it but so for example for me if I'm having dinner at seven I know that normally I'd have it at five so I'll tend to have like a protein bar or a mince pie and a protein shake or something like that like late in the afternoon because I know that five o'clock my body's going to be like your what happens is that your like your ghrelin levels your hunger hormone one of your hunger hormones it gets used to like your regular eating patterns so that's why you find if you always eat lunch at 12 at about Eleven fifteen, 15 your stomach starts to rumble because ghrelin is like oh it's the almost time to eat so you're still going to get that over the christmas so rather than saying rather than me saying i'm going to stay that off for another two three hours until my meal that's still two or three hours I, that i'm going to be hungry for like i'm just going to eat something small and then wait for dinner um i think that that's a, a kind of helpful way to try and approach it plus yeah. everything else that we spoke about already earlier on
1: absolutely
0: that was a huge game changer for me
1: um when we started working together because Christmas Day used to be awful for me like I don't know what everyone else's mums are like but mum would tell you a time and then about three hours later it'd be ready yeah and I'd just get hangry and so oh yeah <laughs> but like you said you, you if you can you know that you're going to be waiting a bit longer or you're going to be eating at different times then just have something to tide you over and then you you do you stick to stick to what works best for you
0: yeah yeah that's it's like that's exactly it. like you can't you're never going to eat the same as your family eat and that's totally okay but rather than trying to trying to do what they do like i'll like i'll i eat generally i'll eat more actual food than like my family members and rather than being like i need to try and fit that it's like no like I know if I don't eat regularly, I'm going to be miserable. I'd much rather have a protein bar than eat an hour later and eat less dinner than not have it be miserable and angry for an hour and be starving to then eat loads of dinner. Like it just, we need to break out of this idea that it has to be like that regimented mm-hmm. um, and, and stop trying to, like, again, especially if you're trying to improve your relationship with food, like stop trying to, like, fend off hunger. That's that's not helping you. Yeah. good question though really good questions this week Mm -hmm. yeah i'm really i'm grateful (laughs) that i'm grateful that we got so many actually like because i know that we didn't have that much time before like since the last one and we got so many questions for the last one so it really appreciated um okay well everyone have a good christmas yes
1: whatever (laughs) yeah
0: i hope that everyone manages to, to find something nice about their christmas day and if you can't be with your family, then I hope that you can Zoom or I hope that you're happy to not be with your family. Some people might be, you know, or you can find some enjoyment in something. I really do. And the Facebook group is always here. So obviously, like for my clients, I'm not doing check-ins next week, but the Facebook group is always here. If you feel lonely or if you just want laws about your family, I'm always <laughs> up for that. Um, use it because that's what, that's what we're all here for. And yeah. I'm looking forward to 2021. Yes. (laughs) Everything is going to change. It will be fine. It will be absolutely fine. And on that note, (laughs) goodbye. Bye.